And those videos went from fun to not fun. God, you can't do that. You got to have someone come say something before the next one. Have like an emotional whiplash as we go through this morning. Uh, God morning, JRC. Um, I got a little bit of flack for uh, changing our morning confessions last week. So due to peer pressure, because I am uh, susceptible to peer pressure, uh, we're going to go back to our regular styles because I don't want to hear like seven people complain immediately when the service is over. And that's all they remember. So we're going to do our two confessions like normal. All right. What do we do? We love God and we love others. And what do we say? I love God and I love you. Um, I got a quick uh, announcement for us. We haven't done this in a couple of years before the pandemic. Uh, we have some leadership board nominations coming up in the next two weeks. Uh, what that means is uh, there's a slip that you can fill out. You can find it on one of the tables outside. It's just who do you think would be great at leading this church? Uh, who would have the vision and the, and the spiritual uh, wisdom and, and uh, to, to lead our church at the highest level? So our leadership board is the ones who uh, tell me what to do. Um, so uh, we haven't done this since before pandemic, so you may not even recognize these cards if you've been coming anytime in the last like three years or so. So, uh, And everyone can fill that out. You don't have to be a member to fill that out. Uh, so if you know of someone here and you're like, that person, they'd be amazing to, to be a, a high-level leader at this church in terms of vision casting and praying over and spiritual growth, that sort of stuff. So uh, jot a couple of names down and then throw them in this basket right by the cross where we put the offering if you give your physical offering. And so we're going to take those for the next two weeks. Uh, if you're an online person, you can send an email uh, to lb at jerichoroad.church. Um, and so there you go for that. Um, so welcome back to our Lost Lesson series where uh, we're taking us through uh, learning lessons that the Israelites learned while they were in the middle of wandering through the wilderness um, before they entered into the Promised Land. So first week, first lesson was God is always with you even when you feel lost or when you feel alone. And our second lesson was about pursuing God alone, not God and something else. And this week is pretty simple, and I think it has some huge practical ramifications for us. And here it is. God helps us even when we're idiots. Yeah, so if you don't like the word idiots, you're going to hear it a bunch today. So God helps us. So, so sorry, I'm, uh, sorry if it bothers you, that word. Um, but, but I'm not changing it. So God helps us. That's the title of the, church, the sermon is Idiots. Lost lesson. God helps us even when we're idiots. Look, our actions have consequences. Uh, but even in the middle of the consequences, even if we've had a consequence from God, He still walks with us and shows His favor to us, even as we're suffering the consequence for our sin or our stupidity or something like that. God is still favorable to you, even as He punishes you, which is a really interesting kind of thing. So, how about some real talks, real fact? I always have to confess things because I'm the speaker guy telling you about my life. Uh, so yeah, here's our, this is a show of hand. I want you to show your hand. I know, you, I know we hate participation at church, but that's all right. Um, by, by show of hands, how many of you have done some dumb stuff in your life? How many other people have done dumb stuff? I mean, like, uh, especially for, before Christ. Can, does anyone else look back at your life and like shake your head at like, what was I thinking? What was wrong with me? Why would I, why would I choose that he's continuing to? Amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> uh, anyone else look back at their life and say like, goodness, what an idiot I have been multiple times in life. I mean, I have so many of these. I have like uh, lame ones like mailbox baseball. <laughs> That's so dumb. Like uh, driving 125 on my motorcycle. So 
idiocy, you know, just like dumbness. But, but I have some that have like spiritual stuff attached to them as well. So not just regular dumb. I have like dumb plus dumb with God, like or dumb toward God. Uh, and uh, I'm going to share a couple of those. Uh, I think I've shared these before, so not going to be news. Um, I used to steal offering from church. So when I was in high school, I'd go to church and they would pass the offering basket and no one would look at you because they don't want to like see how much you're giving, right? They have like manners and stuff. But so no one looks and some people are praying and the eyes are closed, the lights are dim and they pass cash in front of me. And I was a broke kid. I didn't have any money and they're passing cash in, and the really godly people, they, they hold it like this and then they put their hand in the basket and let it go. So you mean I can put my hand in the basket and come out with a closed fist and you're going to put that in front of me? And so I would steal offering from church. That's why I'm a pastor now. That's still punishment. Um, at the same church, like they would uh, sell candy to raise money for like the orphanage or to sponsor missionaries or to provide scholarships for good kids to go to like a camp and stuff. And, and I would steal the candy or I would steal the money that they were earning from the candy as well when no one was looking. So I know, I know, like uh, idiot material. Uh, uh, and as I continued on, I, it got a little bit worse. And I, I've said before that uh, stealing was my maybe top one problem uh, growing up. And when I was a college freshman, this was about two weeks before uh, I gave my life to Christ. Uh, this was the last time I'd, I'd gone out many times breaking into cars and, and stealing stuff out of cars and stuff. And, and this time, I'm uh, one time walking around, it's 2 a.m. in the morning, going street by street, breaking in and grabbing everything out of people's cars and taking back to my apartment and that stuff. And, and I remember the final time that I was doing this, um, I, at the same time I was going to church. So I started back at church and I'd been going for a couple of months at church. And so I'm, I'm going car to car, filling backpack, grabbing whatever I can uh, as I'm singing a church song that got stuck in my head. You know, it's so like one of these like, you are good, good, whoa, you are good. So I'm singing this church song and I was like, even then, so I had been going to church and I'm doing this thing, and I was like, mm, mm, this is pretty idiot, you know? Talk about like cognitive dissonance when you have these two things that do not belong in life together. And, and so I was, I was walking around doing that, and, and uh, man, that's super dumb, super dumb. Uh, and yet, in the middle of all those things, God didn't smite me. He didn't ignore me. He didn't reject me, but he called out to me. He loved me. He sent people to care for me, to invest in me, and to give to me. He called me out of darkness into his wonderful light. And I haven't stolen anything in many years. I think the last thing I stole was 20 years ago when I stole my wife's heart. Oh, yeah, baby. Come on. Uh, but then I became a pastor and then I never sinned again. So don't worry. Amen. Amen. After becoming a pastor, though, like... Uh, I uh, still find myself being an idiot now in different ways. I don't steal anymore and haven't for a long time. But uh, there was a one time um, about midway through my pastor career, I was pastoring a church called Step Off Ministry. And uh, we were having this, uh, it reminded me we had a Halloween event here. We had this Halloween event and uh, one of the ladies came. Um, so Step Off was like for gangs and drug addicts. So that the level of tolerance was a little bit different. And so one of these girls came uh, in a pretty revealing sort of costume, right? And, uh, and thinking I was being funny, but secretly I was, I was just being critical, I said some really mean things to her uh, about her costume and about how she had come. And she had clearly spent time on it. I mean, it was a well-done costume, and it was thoughtful, and she was trying to not be disrespectful. She was just trying to be cute and, and 
have a good time. And, and I said some really mean things to her um, about the costume, and, and, and I kind of dogged her for it. And uh, it really hurt her feelings. And uh, she had been an elite, a leader in our church for many years. And after that, it, it hurt my ministry with her. It hurt my mentorship to her. And ultimately, never sort of came back to the place where um, she was able to super grow spiritually as she had up until that kind of point. And so I really did spiritual damage by being an idiot, by not being careful with what I was saying. So I, I was an idiot before I was following God, and then even after I'm following God, I'm an idiot. And, and now I, I still find myself being an idiot. Now, it's not as obvious now. My, my old sins used to be like super obvious, like stacks of like stolen goods in my apartment. But now it's like things like envy. Like, uh, you know, we, we were uh, driving out of a parking lot just uh, yesterday, my wife and I, uh, and there was this Rolls Royce like uh, parked right there. And then uh, we had gone on a hike over it in like Sand Canyon, so it's really nice like kind of area. There's a Rolls Royce people were getting out of, and there's some Teslas and Porsche and Mercedes G wagon, and and my wife and I jump in my Civic, you know, we're like, <laughs> I was like, I looked around and and I was tempted for to be envious for a minute, minute, you know, and then but I'm thinking like I have a flush toilet. Just a few months ago, I was in a place where they didn't have flush toilets, <laughs> like. How, how dare I be envious? Like, what an idiot that I would have this incredible life, and yet, ooh, what's over there? Ooh, I want to be envious of that. And so it's not as obvious now. They tend to be more internal, my idiocy, than external. But, but, uh, but I still continue to be an idiot even today, uh, even yesterday. And I know I'm not alone in my idiocy. I, I read about it in the Israelites' life. Uh, in Exodus 17, it's recorded this. The whole Israelite community, they set out uh, from the desert of Sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. And they camped at uh, Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses, and they said, give us water to drink. And Moses says, like, why are you talking to me? I don't have any water, right? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water, and they're grumbling against Moses. And then they say, why'd you bring us out of Egypt? They've said this multiple times, but in case this sounds familiar, they say this a lot. Why'd you bring us out of Egypt to make us uh, and our children and livestock die of thirst? Uh, and then Moses cries out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're, they're almost ready to stone me. And that's not the good modern like stone me, but it was like the bad kill you, stone you. The Lord, Moses, uh, uh, the Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff to which, uh, with which you struck the Nile and go. And I'll stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders and he called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is, this, is the Lord among us or not? So I'm thinking of this kind of situation and it doesn't come across that heavy in the text, but it's got to be super heavy. The gravity of the situation is seen in the fact that they renamed these areas. And they renamed them arguing and quarreling and testing God. That's like the new name. Like, this used to be like, you know, Irvine. Now it's like hatred. You know, like to rename a whole region, like something bad is happening. So uh, we got to assume or. or uh, that the renaming of this place indicates that this was uh, pretty offensive to God, worse than maybe Moses could even explain in writing. And I, I sort of was thinking about it in my life. Parents, isn't it awesome when your kids complain? Isn't that so great? And when they quarrel with each other and then with you? Yeah, that, that's great, huh? 
No, not at all. Even just as my kids trying to quarrel with me, as I'm providing for them, I'm taking care of them, and they're trying to like, eh, talk me. Bah! That's what they need. You know, that's absolutely what I want to give my kids in that situation. But I uh, normally don't. Luckily, I think God doesn't have that same response. Or we'd be getting a whole lot of like spiritual smackings, right? If God responded to me in the way that I feel like responding to my kids, in the way that we act towards God oftentimes. So this narrative highlights the people are complaining. But, but look back at the narrative. Let's pull that back up again. And, and to see how they're acting dumb here. They're, they're blaming God. They're questioning God. They're, caught, they're, they're saying, God, why did you call us out of Egypt? Like they're, they're questioning God's calling in their lives. They, they're falsely remembering their slavery. Oh, Egypt was so nice, blah, blah. No, it wasn't. <laughs> you know, like, don't like a, talk about gaslighting, right? Don't like totally make up like how it was all nice in Egypt. You were slaves back in Egypt. And uh, we see in the passage they're ungrateful. And, and do you catch their last line here? Uh, go to the last line here uh, of them, where they say, is the Lord among us or not? So that's what they're, they're asking this question. Despite seeing his miracles every day, he's been providing manna, like miraculous honey bread, every single morning for them. They have a pillar of cloud that goes before them in the day, and then at nighttime, because you can't see a cloud, it switches to fire. And then if God wants them to move, they just follow the cloud to the next place, whether it's a pillar of fire or cloud. And they're seeing this every single day. And yet, what do they ask? Well, is the Lord with us or not? Like, how stupid are you? What are you talking about? Is the Lord with you? That's just idiot talking. Ooh, but do I do that too all the time? As I drive my really nice car and my air conditioner and my good life and my nice clothes and, and got a bank account and all the food that I want, and I'm like, God, why won't you help me with X, Y, or Z? And God's like, I'm totally helping you all the time. Why are you, why are you talking like Israelites? <laughs> Didn't you learn a lesson? A lost lesson? The amount of people that were here was anywhere between 100,000 people and a million people, depending on... Uh, which scholar you like to listen to. So that's a million people complaining. So what does God do for all these complaints? Look, they're testing him, they're talking back to him, they're, they're gaslighting his, uh, their captivity time, all this kind of stuff. Well, what does he do? What's his response? His response is he provides a miracle. His response is he provides water for every single one of them and their livestock. I mean, that's some serious miracle water. If there's a mil- How much water for a million people to drink would be coming out of this rock? He saves their life. He continues to be faithful to them even while they're being difficult. He provides life-giving water. Man, that phrase kind of reminds me when Jesus says that he's the living water and that he too acts graciously towards people who mistreat him. Do you remember this instance that takes place in the Gospels when Jesus is getting crucified in Luke chapter 23? It's recorded there are two men with him. They're both criminals. They're also led out with him to be executed. When they came to a place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. So they don't know what they're doing. And then they divided his clothes by casting lots. And the people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. And they said, he, he saved others, let him save himself if he's God, the Messiah, the chosen one. And the soldiers also came up and they mocked him. And they offered him wine vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. I'm looking at that. That's them some real spiritual idiots right here, right? 
Look at the verse of the people who are acting dumb in this instance. You've got criminals, as they're getting crucified, hey, you're messed up, buddy, blah, 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 talking smack, as they too are getting crucified. You've got, uh, you've got people who are dividing the clothes. That turns out in another gospel says it's Roman soldiers who are dividing up his clothes. You've got people sneering at him. You've got rulers sneering. You've got soldiers mocking. And what is Jesus' response to all these jerks? To all this idiocy, what is his response? He asks the Father to forgive them. Even when they crucify, curse, and abuse him. He doesn't reject them, but he provides a way that they could even live eternally. He doesn't just give them a little gift. He gives them the greatest possible gift. And Jesus asks the same thing of both them and us. He says, God, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them, God, because they're, they're idiots. See the extent of his care for idiots in this next verse. In Romans 5, it says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. I mean, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Although for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the list of idiots in this passage are the ungodly, those that are powerless, those that are sinners. And Jesus' death provides eternal life, the ultimate gift for the undeserving bunch of jerks, bunch of punks. Even though these people are fools, God is faithful and favorable towards them. And if God acts that way when we were enemies of him, all these people are enemies of God in this passage, how much more favorably will God act towards us as sons and daughters of him? Even today and day by day. There's this passage in Philippians that says that that we can be confident of this thing. We can be confident that, that he, God, who began a good work in you, he will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Despite your mistakes or your mess-ups, God is working in you. Our transformation from idiot to enlightened person takes a lifetime. And God continue, will continue to be with you even in your mistakes. He will continue to look favorably at you even if you act like an idiot. He who began the good work in you, it's God who began the work, and it's God who continues the work in you until it's completed. He stays with you throughout the transformation process even if you're in a consequence phase. So I'm not saying there's no consequences for sin, because if you sin, there's, God's going to bring a consequence for that. But even during the consequence, God's favor is still with you. He still is caring for you and miraculously providing for you, just like the Israelites. They're in the punishment phase. They, they don't listen to God. They're trapped in the wilderness, and God says, I will still show favor to you even in the punishment phase, even after you're suffering the consequences of your own idiocy. I will still walk with you and be with you and provide for you and show you favor. Now, I have a long life uh, where I can look back in my life's rearview mirror and I can see massive changes. Like, I'm nothing like the person I was 30 years ago when I was just beginning my spiritual journey. And I see God working all throughout those years despite my idiocy. Even in my unfaithfulness, God was faithful. And, and so know this, if you're alive right now, and that's most of you, then God is doing work. God will be with you no matter where you are spiritually. 
He'll help that good work that He is doing in you. He'll help you take the next step even today. And doesn't matter if you're an idiot, doesn't matter if you've made mistakes. Maybe this morning you're an idiot. You were doing one of those drive to church and argue with your wife days. Oh, that's a great one. Awesome. And let's go fake it when we get to church how much we love God. Amen. Amen. Yeah. We love our enemies. Yep. Yep. I love him. I let him stay in the car. I didn't push him out. Right? Maybe you had one of those just a minute ago. Maybe you had an envy moment like I do just a second ago. Maybe you, I was cursing the cameras because they weren't working this morning. And maybe you had that right before you were supposed to preach a message about <laughs> idiocy. So luckily God's favor is with us. He'll help you no matter what to go to the next step in your life because his favor is upon you. Now there may be a couple worries that float in your mind over this idea that God shows favor even in the midst of our idiocy. And there were a couple of worries that I was thinking people might have. There may be a worry among you that I'm worried that I could exhaust God's favor. Maybe if I'm an idiot like 17 times, but what about the 18th time? What about the 23rd time? What about the 53rd time? What about the I'm now in the thousands or 10,000s time? The short answer is no. You can't exhaust God's favor. The long answer is maybe that favor feels different, if you abuse it. Maybe you've got to remember God disciplines those that he loves, and so his favor might be you get a punishment along with your idiocy, but I'll still be with you in the punishment. Right? Like the Israelites, his favor sometimes goes hand in hand with consequence. So no, you can never use up the favor, but you can experience consequences for your sin even, even while having God's favor. Additionally, it may be that your own disobedience is blocking your experience of God's favor. You say, well, I don't feel God. Well, are you sinning? <laughs> Probably. Why you don't feel God? Because you're, you're dating the devil right now rather than on the date with the Lord. That's why you're not feeling God. And so, so God's favor doesn't change from us, even in the middle of consequence. The worry number two, and I'm not sure we say this out loud probably, but the worry is that uh, this teaching will let people keep sinning. They'll abuse God's favor. They won't change. And I think this is for people who've been Christian for a long time, and then you're kind of like, well, if we teach this, then, then people are just going to keep on sinning, and that's not right, you know? So you feel that someone doesn't deserve favor again and again and again and again. Maybe they've exhausted it. They're, they're abusing it. Uh, they're, they're taking God for granted, kind of, right? In my humble opinion. I, I'd just say... Don't worry about anyone else's journey. Don't worry about other people's relationship with God. Enjoy His favor in your life. Thank Him for His faithfulness to you, even while you step awfully close to being judgmental of someone else. <laughs> you see, like when I, I'm driving on the freeway, everyone that goes faster than me, that person's a homicidal maniac. Can't believe them. They're out of control. Everyone who's driving slower than me, oh, what a stupid loser. I can't stand those people. Right? So the only place that you can be a good driver is if you were driving the exact same speed as me, which is seven miles over the speed limit, right? 65, 72, 75, I'm sinning, 66, I'm an old person, so 72 is the sweet spot, right? And, and I think we think spiritually like that. The only people like, who can have favor and favor are ones like me who are growing at the right rate, not too slow, not too fast, you know? If they grew too fast, ooh, man, that's probably fake. <laughs> if they grew too slow, like, man, they're never going to change. God, they're abusing God's grace, they're taking advantage of his favor because they're not changing fast enough because I changed faster or something like that, right? And so, if that's your worry, go ahead and throw that one away. 
Um, I, I've pastored for a long time, and I've never met anyone in real life that was like, God's going to keep forgiving me? I'll just keep sitting then. Yeah! I've, I've never heard it. I know that it's a worry for some people in their heart because they like to look at other people, but if you're one of those people, don't look at other people. Just worry about your business. And uh, as their pastor, and I see it, I'll, I'll show up to them. I'll, I'll share with them. But you know who's the greatest pastor? Jesus will show up to them. They're near to Jesus. It is he decreases. And worry number three is that I've done some stuff that's unforgivable. Uh, so maybe you're, uh, it might not be for all of us, but there, there may be a couple who uh, have shadier pasts than others in our midst. And you think, like, I truly am unworthy of his favor. Uh, there's idiocy, and then there's things that I've done. There's idiocy, and there's things that go on in my brain that, that shouldn't go on anywhere on this planet. And so you think that perhaps I can't have God's favor, or even you self-condemn and say, I'm not going to take God's favor because I don't deserve it. But for this worry, that, that's absolutely true. You don't deserve it. You are unworthy. That's 100% right. But God gives it anyway. The Bible calls this grace. Undeserved, unmerited. Doesn't matter how deep your sin is, it cannot outdeep God's love. Doesn't matter how large your idiocy, it can't outlarge his grace. There is nothing that you have done that will take God's favor from you. So our lesson today is that God helps us even when we're idiots. I mean, that should be great news for most of us, right? So we'll be honest. And we're going to stand together and we're going to celebrate that great news that you, all you idiots, God still loves you and he has favor for you. Luckily, I'm idiot-free now. And so we're going to, would you stand with me? And, and we're going to thank God for this reality. God, thank you that in the middle of even the dumb things I do, you still love me and have favor for me. Knowing that we are undeserving, yet we're favored by God. Amen? Amen. Let's worship.